Hey, fearless fundraisers, I'm Dawn Lego. It's time to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore those hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. All right, let's get going. I am very pleased to continue with our Raise Impact series. We're chatting with expert authorities about achieving a fundraising success, all stories that you want to hear. So in this series, we invite thought leaders to the show. They share the 411 on a wide range of fundraising topics. Um, So if you're a fundraiser, sit back and relax, or if you're on the go and you're on the Peloton or getting in that power walk, or I don't know, bringing the kids to school, this is a great time to just listen in. So hopefully the information will come in handy to further your mission. And I can't imagine any more information being more handy than from our our guest. Um, I can't wait to get into a good conversation. Tim Kuchuriak from Next After. Welcome to Raise Nation Radio. Welcome to the show. So great to have you here. Thanks, Don. Thanks for having me. And by the way, you mentioned Peloton. I got a Peloton for Christmas and I can't get off it. It is like the greatest thing ever. I okay, so I don't have one yet. So you're saying like, is that two thumbs up? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I used to run and things, but like my feet would hurt and my knees <laughs> would hurt, but like the, the bike, I can just like pedal forever. So love it. Pedal to the metal. There you go. All right. A little shout out there to Peloton. Um, well, you know, and you know, you can always Peloton for, for, for fundraising too, right? So that, that definitely could be a challenge or an activity, but um, we're going to get to some juicy conversation, um, inspiration to give and how to optimize that inspiration to give. It's such generosity is such an interesting topic to me. And when I think of the expert authority on generosity and what inspires people to give, I think you're the commander in chief. So, um, but I know why you're the commander in chief. I want our audience to know. I don't know that I would give it justice about, you know, the, the, all the online donations that you've made to thousands of different nonprofit organizations so that you could really understand the psychology about giving and how organizations communicate with donors. I don't want to butcher this. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself, let our audience get to know you and, and what you do at next after that really helps the nonprofit optimize what they're doing digitally. Well, sure, Don. And uh, let me start by saying that I am not a fundraising expert. I believe the true experts are the donors themselves. And so what I have attempted to do through Next After is become a student of the donors by running experiments and monitoring how they respond to various different ways to give in real time. And so that's kind of what we do. So a little bit of background on myself. Uh, I uh, started a digital marketing company out of college. I did that for about five years and I really wanted to do something that had more significance to it. And so ended up going to work for a nonprofit organization, sold my agency, moved from Pittsburgh to South Florida. I was there for a short amount of time. And it was there that I discovered that there's basically marketing agencies that work exclusively with nonprofits and help them to raise money. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. So I went to work for one of those agencies here in Dallas. I got here in 2008. Um, We were acquired by another agency in 2010. And during that time, 
I became obsessed with trying to understand how can we optimize giving, right? I had been studying a lot of things that were happening in the for-profit space around decision science and behavioral economics and conversion rate optimization. And I was just wondering why none of that stuff showed up in the nonprofit space. Um, and that's the journey that kind of led me to start what is today next after, uh, which is the largest fundraising research lab in the world. Uh, we've performed over 3,300 different online fundraising experiments across a whole range of different organizations. We published uh, 10 different mystery donor studies where we give donations as small as $20, as large as $5,000 to hundreds of organizations and then monitor how they engage with us over time. Uh, and we've had a whole lot of fun digging into that concept of why do people give? Okay. So I want to know what you've learned. I, I don't know a little bit about me. I think our audience knows this by now as I run a very small nonprofit with my daughter. That's my side hustle when I'm, when I'm not um, at one cause or, or hosting our podcast. Um, but if you've cracked the code, tell me, I want to know what, what have we learned? Because generosity is an interesting concept. And I don't think that there's been, you know, when we're recording this particular episode, there's never been a time quite like this in our world where mindsets have shifted so much, um, dare I say, coming out of that pandemic word, but what have we learned? What, what, what can you tell us that we need to know to optimize that donor journey? Well, the first thing we have to understand is that giving is an incredibly irrational behavior, right? So like if- Irrational. 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 Really? It is? It's an irrational behavior? Well, think about it. Like if if we have like a, say say somebody lands from Mars and I try to explain to them like philanthropy. So I'm going to go give my money, my, my, you know, currency, and then somebody else or some, someone else or some other organization is going to experience the benefit. I'm not going to receive anything tangible in return. They'd be like, does not compute, does not compute, does not make sense. Um, Okay. I'm I'm with you. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Right. And so so that means that people give for, for reasons that are not necessarily um, utilitarian. It's not, it's not about them getting something tangible in return, but the donors do receive something in return. And so as we've kind of gone down this path of trying to understand and decode why people give, we find that it's not for one central reason. There's a myriad of different reasons why people give. Some people give out of a sense of responsibility or duty, especially older generations. They, they give because they were raised that this is the right thing to do. Some people give um, because they want to belong to something bigger. They want to f- attach their lives to something that actually is meaningful and lock arms with other people that have a shared belief set with them. Some people give out of an extension of their identity. They give to, to, to show to the world, here's who I am. Here's what I care about. These are the things that are really important to me. And then some people give, uh, especially to political campaigns out of anger, disgust, uh, you know, frustration (laughs) about like different changes they want to see made in the world. And they give to support organizations that go and advance uh, those, you know, different causes that they care about. So it's really not one answer. And that's what makes fundraising so challenging because it is so personal. All right. Well, you just made me feel better about some of the challenges that, that we have, um, fundraising, and I'm sure you made our audience feel better. So how do you break that down and optimize it? It, Can you break it down and optimize it if people are giving for so many irrational reasons. So, so here is the good news. Um, even though I love good news, <laughs> yeah, every, even though everybody does give for a variety of different reasons, uh, there is one central concept that we've understood through our research that is the, the the key to being able to really 
enhance your fundraising performance. And that is really just unlocking the power of your value proposition. So, so the value proposition is um, the answer to a very specific question that every single donor has to hear the answer to, but they're never going to verbally ask. And the question is this, if I am your ideal donor, why should I give to you rather than some other organization or not at all? Oh, wait, wait, let's just pause there. Wait, wait, I want to, I want to digest that. So if I am, you're the nonprofit, Tim, I'm the donor. If I represent your ideal donor. So it's a first person question. First person question. So if I, if I'm your ideal donor, what, what am, what am I asking myself? Why should I give to you? So why should I give to you, Tim? Okay. So they're looking for a reason, right? Uh Uh-huh rather than some other organization. So you have to consider the possible alternative places that they could give their money. Okay. Or not at all. Nobody has to give money, right? So right. there has to be something related to- Okay, you know, thanks for going a little slower with that. I, I'm with you. Okay. And so that's something that we've, we've studied in, in, in great detail. We, we published a study about uh, six years ago called the Why Should I Give to You is the Nonprofit Value Proposition Index Study. <laughs> Where, where can we get that? Can uh, I get can, that? Yep. You can find it on our website at nextafter.com. Uh, it's available for free download. But oh, what good. we did okay. is we we approached 127 different nonprofit organizations across a, a, a nine different industry verticals. And we asked them that fundamental donor question, the value proposition question. We asked it in four different channels. So we called them on the phone. We called the 1-800 number and, and said, hey, I'm considering giving a gift. Can you tell me why should I give a gift to you rather than some other organization or not all? We listened and we transcribed the reasons that they gave us for giving. We also contacted them through their website. We filled out the contact us form and asked that question. We direct messaged them on social media. And then we looked at their donation page and we analyzed the page and said, how does this page answer that question? So several things we learned. Uh, Number one is that uh, unfortunately, 30% of organizations did not get back to us when we contacted them. Oh yes. So there's some basic ouch, ouch, ouch. not happening, uh, especially yeah. as it relates to the contact us form and on social media. So that's, that was the, the one big bummer. Now, wait, can I, can I stop you there? Mm-hmm. So you said 30% didn't respond. Correct. Was that number higher or lower in certain channels like social media versus phone or was it, did that number swing? So the phone, we could always, you know, get through in, in most cases to somebody eventually. Um, yeah. But it was really the contact us form. So if you go to the website and you fill out the, hey, contact us, I want to reach out to you. Um, uh-huh. That was, uh, I think it was 26% for the contact us form. And it was about 30% for social media. So we went to Facebook uh, and we tried to direct message them. So, so wait, we have to stop right there. I mean, like mic drop, end of show, all fundraisers <laughs> should immediately, because that's an easy fix, right? It's an easy fix. It's an easy fix. Okay. It's it's something easy to audit too. So one of the things I encourage everyone to do is like, go sign up to receive emails from your organization and see what happens. Go fill out the contact us form. See what happens. Go give an online donation to your own organization. See what happens. Like that's one simple thing that everybody can do is just audit your own kind of online communications and see if there's any gaps. Okay. So let me, let me turn to the attention to what happened when we did get responses. What we found is that most charities speak with forked tongue. They were saying different things in different channels. The person on the phone might give one reason why I should give the person that's responding to the email would give me a completely different reason. And then their donation page said neither of those things. Right. So, so this is one of the challenges I think that we have is that um, we don't have 
um, kind of a central messaging platform that we use to articulate our value proposition to the marketplace. Oh, wait, that's, that's another awesome. easy fix. It should be. It should be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and then just one of the th- things that came out of this, this research search. So the reason why we do these mystery donor studies is we're trying to figure out where are the gaps in terms of how nonprofits communicate their value to their their constituents. And then we go take the learnings from these mystery donor studies and we use it to power the other kind of research we do, which is applied research, which means we're doing A-B testing. We're testing different things. Yeah. Can you explain? Because I just recently learned what A-B testing was. And so I'm going to I'm going to go with it. There are a lot of people like me that didn't know. So let's explain what A-B testing is. Slow it down. So um, if you if you think about it, the web is perhaps the greatest behavioral laboratory that's ever existed because we can monitor the behavior of people that engage with us online. So for example, you send an email and people open it and they click it, and then they maybe do something as a result of that. You can track all that. Somebody goes to your website, you have Google analytics or some other analytics system, and you can track people's activity, where they came from, what pages they visited and what they did. And so what A-B testing does is it says, look, we can create um, a, an experiment where I'm going to have one version of my donation page or one version of my email, and I'm going to test it against a completely different version. And I might change a bunch of things. I might change only one little thing. And what A-B testing does is it splits the traffic and 50% of people will get version A, 50% will get version B. It's randomly. An- Random. Uh, yeah. It's okay. randomized uh, so that you get you know a decent sample on both sides. And then you can monitor what actions people take as a result of the changes you make. So Testing is really valuable to not just like, you know, increasing the performance of campaigns by testing different things, but also the real value of testing is to be able to learn about what works and what doesn't, which means you're learning more about your donors and what inspires them and moves them to give. And that's the, that's the real true value that comes from maybe testing. So uh, one of the AB testing uh, areas that we worked on after this, uh, this study, we noticed that a lot of donation pages had very little text, very little copy on the on the donation page, and I think the, bad. Uh, well, bad. I think the conventional wisdom at the time is once we get somebody clicks on the donate button, like I want to get out of their way. I don't want them to have to read any more stuff. I don't want them to you know have any friction. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Getting it between them and completing the transaction. Mm-hmm. So we challenged that, and we said, well, what if we actually put value laden copy on the page. Like, let's actually use the page to lay out a lucid, compelling value proposition for why somebody should give. Like like impact statements. Yeah. Impact statements. Exactly. So we would test like the control version of a nonprofit's donation page. that had very little text and we would put, um, you know, five, six paragraphs of text in some cases. And we would do an AB test. And what we found is that the page that had more text, 100, 200, 300% increase in conversion. Really? And the question you have to ask is, well, why? Right? Yeah. And the That's reason, the question I'm asking right now. Are so, you going to tell me? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell you. Because like, if you think about it, when you give a donation online, there is both material cost, that's the financial resources you're giving, but there's also mental costs associated with giving. I've got to fill out this form. I got to figure out how much I'm going to give. I got to decide if this is a one-time recurring. I've got to figure out you know, what payment thing, or do I want to designate this gift? There's a lot of questions that are asked as you go through the donation experience. 
And that's all mental cost to the donor, right? That's work that they have to do. So if all that's on your donation page is work and there isn't balancing value to can get them to want to continue to go through that process, which you can express through copy, then your page is out of balance, right? It's all cost and no value. And that's oh. the biggest thing that we found is that, you know, many donation pages are missing copy. Huh. What about pictures? What about imagery? Pictures, um, it's interesting. We, we, we get some mixed signals with pictures. Um, hmm. If the picture actually reinforces or enhances the value proposition that's being made on the, through the copy, then it's helpful. But if it's not, it's not helpful at all. And in it's some cases, it's a response, right? Yeah. We've tested, for example, video. So this oh. is kind of an interesting test. We've done a number of tests where we will take a video mm-hmm. and it's on the donation page and we'll, we'll actually test it versus a text transcript of the same content that's in the video, but it's text. Mm-hmm. 500, 600% increase in donations to the text-based appeal the text. versus the video. Yeah. Wow. Which is very, you know, I mean, it's kind of unintuitive, right? We think that like video is a much more intense medium and it's more dynamic and it's, you know, it's more engaging, but, um, I heard, so we did this test for one of our clients and and he was, he's the president of a, of a university. And he said, well, I understand. I understand why, why the text works better. And his theory is that he said, my reading bit rate is faster than the video playback bit rate. What, what that means is like he can actually read through the text and extract value more quickly than being subject to, you know, some sort of video that he has to sit through and, you know, passively. It almost holds you hostage, right? You have yeah, to in some of, ways you might right. say that the video is, is not as um, empathetic as, as text because, you know, if you use text, like the, you know, the recipient of that text can actually like draw their own pictures inside their mind. It maybe makes it more personal, right? Maybe it makes it more like engaging because they are the director, uh, you know, instead of it being subject to a producer or director's presentation of that. So interesting, interesting findings from some of those tests. Yeah. This is also fascinating. Yeah. I'll give you another one. So this is, this is yeah. another one. So email is like the workhorse still when it comes to driving revenue online. So like, but you know, you we know I got to stop you right there because I just came from writing a a little thing, a a little blurb about email because, well, one causes having a web upcoming webinar on it. I might as well tell you why I'm writing it, but most people don't do wet, wet uh, email well, and they don't optimize email. And as a result, they are certainly not optimizing that connection that they can build with their donor and the recurring value of that. It's, it's really just a, it's a tool that's being used widespread, but not being used well. So it's not doing its job with that. Is that fair? Did I say that? I think it's, I think it's absolutely spot on. And I would suggest that that's all of digital marketing. I, I, I think that one of the, one of the challenges and the reason why digital marketing is so bad is because the barriers to entry are so low. Like, you know, any schmuck can go and like post anything on social media or go hit the send button in email. So we don't take it as seriously as something like if I'm going to go send it in direct mail, I've got to go pay for printing and postage and all the stuff. So I want to make sure it's hundred percent right. And I have more of a vetting process and a proofing process to go through. And so the problem is, is like we have the proliferation of really bad digital marketing because the barriers to entry are so low. (laughs) 
So, uh, but going back to my point about email, so we've we've studied, you know, hundreds and hundreds of organizations and looked at their their web analytic data, and email is usually the largest driver of online revenue. It is the only kind of true direct response channel that still exists on on digital. Okay. And and yet, if you look at most nonprofit fundraising emails, um, you'll find that they all kind of look pretty similar. Meaning they're HTML designed. They've got images and graphics and big clickable buttons. And for the larger organizations, if you read the copy, it sounds like it's written from a professional copywriter because it usually, in fact, is. <laughs> and what we found is that when a potential donor sees an email like that in their inbox. Delete. All they see is somebody trying to market to them. Delete, delete, delete. Right. Because yeah. people don't want to be marketed to. They want to be communicated with. Fundraising happens in the context of a relationship. And you, you think of the people that you're in relationship with, they don't send emails that are highly designed with lots of images and graphics and big clickable buttons. So one of the tests that we've done with dozens of organizations, we've done it in different countries, we've done it in different languages, is we'll take their control version of their email with all the images and graphics and stuff. We'll get rid of all that stuff. We'll create like a plain text email and even rewrite the copy so it sounds like it's coming from one human to another human, three, four, 500% increase in email response consistently with that approach. Well, so I'll tell uh, you why. Uh, okay. The yeah, finding, yeah. There's, there's two reasons. So, so uh -huh. the meta finding is people give to people, people don't give to email machines. They don't give to websites. They don't, don't give to direct mail campaigns. People give to people. The more we humanize our communications, the more effective they're going to be. But there's a technical reason why it works as well. It's because Gmail and Yahoo and all these email service providers, they see all the HTML uh, coding inside of that email. And they say, hold up, this might be marketing. Let's go put that in the promotions tab. Yep, Let's go put yep, this yep, in yep. the junk, junk tab. And so by sending more of a plain text email, that's more stripped down, you get better inboxing, which more means more people have the opportunity to read the message. So those yeah, are the two reasons why. Has it been like that Gmail has done that, 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 that happened a good while ago and I don't uh, pay attention to my decade ago. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's promotion. I don't, uh, promotion, social, and then inbox, right? I always have just my inbox open. Of course. Every once yeah. in a while I go to, I'll be honest, I go to promotion mm -hmm. every now and again, a couple times a week, maybe. And all I do is I click the top one and shift the bottom one and I hit delete. I don't even know what's in there half the time. <laughs> so I, I just proved your point, didn't that's, I? That's that's representative for, for how most people engage with email. You're probably right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So well, and I have to admit, I do get some plain texts from Next After and I do read them. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's imagine that. <laughs> yeah, I do. We actually well, practice what we preach. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just going to say that you do practice what you preach. So is everyone at Next After bought in? Like, are you all passionate about this opt optimization of generosity? Because, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Yeah. Wow. So you have a lot of good stuff on, on your website. Um, what, what, what do you get when you click subscribe? I was just there a little bit ago before we were meeting. What do you click when you get, when you get, when you click subscribe, what are my options? Yeah. So, I mean, like, I mean, maybe I should tell you the why before I explain the what. So, you know, what we discovered a long time ago is that we may not be a nonprofit organization ourselves, mm -hmm. but at Next After, we're very much a cause-based organization because we believe our cause is to decode what works in fundraising and then share that as broadly as we possibly can so that we can inspire more people to, to be better at fundraising <laughs> and inspire more donors to be more generous because we want to unleash the most generous generation in the history of the world that doesn't happen by keeping all your secrets to yourself. So 
we created the Next After Institute, which is really our, our web-based kind of mission delivery arm of Next After, to take all the research and all the testing work we're doing and turn it into tools and resources for nonprofits, templates, guides, eBooks. We do webinars twice a month. For those that want to go deeper, we've developed eight different certification courses that they can take. Um, and then we also host an annual conference uh, called the Nonprofit Innovation Optimization Summit, which Neo. brings in digital marketing Affectionately leaders. known as Neo. That's right, Neo, yep. exactly, yeah. What is, what is your theme this year? Are we all going to see The Wizard? The Wizard of Optimization. The Wizard, yeah. yeah. You yeah, always have the sure. best themes. Last year was uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Willy Wonka. Factory. That's right. That's yeah, right. this year- no, no chocolate. It's going to be all wizardry. Well, Don, I'm sure you're, you know, you're probably like me. You've been to many nonprofit fundraising conferences, and I'm sure you would probably agree that, uh, you know, that many of them leave a lot to be desired, right? It's kind of like dingy hotel ballroom, you know, and you never see the light of day and same old, same old kind of thing. So we, we created Neo Summit to kind of be the exact opposite of that. And we bring in mostly... Uh, digital marketing thought leaders from the for-profit space to go pour into our nonprofit community, new ideas and innovation from the bleeding edge of what's happening so that we can keep, you know, keep people moving forward, keep them innovating and testing and trying new so things. So you're in Kansas this year in September, right? Is that right? Uh, September. Yeah, that's correct. Mm -hmm. End of September. Tim, I was trying to get the, all the dates out. Of I know. I don't, I should know this. I think it's <laughs> September. What is it? September 21 to 23, I believe is our dates this in year. Kansas, in which Kansas, which would make Kansas sense. City. Kansas City. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Because it's the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And we, so we're not sense. in, we're not in Kansas City anymore, Toto. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, it is a great conference. I think you're, you're going to be, um, standing room only this year, you're expecting a large audience. Yeah. We're ahead of pace for ticket sales. So we're really, really excited. Yeah. Well, we're always there. I, we'd never miss it. It's a great, it's a great, it conference. is a good time, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of like our community time. Like we get yeah. all of our friends together we need and that. have a great time. We do need yeah. that. We yeah. sure do. I can't believe we we've been chatting for a half hour already, but I, I got to ask you, do you mind? Yeah. Can I just get one more question in with you? Cause you're just such a wealth of inspiration um, because I think a lot of what you say just makes sense. Like listening to you, it's just aha moments and light bulbs going off and th practical things that you can do. Right. That's like right. just, I mean, just easier things, you know, AB testing and, you know, sign up for your own, you know, newsletter on your own nonprofit. See what, send a see plain what you text get back. Email. Yeah. Right. Send yeah. a plain text email. Yeah. There's some just like really, you know, easy things to do, but what's the mindset of generosity? You know, I, I, I hate to keep beating a dead horse and talking about, you know, the post pandemic, but really it's been two very hard years, right? So what, what's changed and what's the current mindset and how do you tap in and optimize what donors are looking for right now. Can you give us some advice there? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest shift that we've seen is that everybody, everybody has been given a violent shove into digital transformation. Right? Oh, I for mean, sure. Like, I mean, my parents didn't know what Zoom was. And like now they're hosting like Zoom bingo parties and things like that. You know what I mean? So it's like everybody now is much more technolog Zoom technologically bingo parties. savvy That's than they've hilarious. ever been, Right. <laughs> and so I think that our time is is now for, for digital first fundraising. I think we finally we we actually did in 2020, but you know, Blackboard published their study and they said that like um for the first time ever, more than 10% of giving came from digital. And in fact, it was 13% in 2020. So, and, and those are following the same trends. That and we're that's seeing billions and 
dollars. Billions and billions. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think the opportunity really exists to really reinvent how your organization does fundraising with, by not having digital, like wag the tail, but have digital be in the lead because everything happens and comes to the website at some point in time. I mean, if you're doing radio or TV, or if you're even sending direct mail, Ultimately, those people now go online to your website. And if you don't have that part of your program optimized, you're leaving huge amounts of opportunity on the table. So that's what I would say is that uh, to embrace the new digital transformation, because uh, we're not going backwards. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, you said it all. We were thrust into the digital world. I think nonprofits and fundraisers, we always knew, right? We always knew, yeah, that online world, it's I got to do that. You know, I'll pay a little attention to that. I'll chip away at the, at the mountain, but I've got this event or this campaign or this drive or, you know, and that always, you know, just sucked you all in, but we really did get thrust into the digital world. But, you know, I'm encouraged. I don't know about you, Tim, but I'm encouraged because I feel we're coming out of it healthier, wiser, and yes. more multi-channel and more diverse in in our fundraising. We were forced to do it, right? Yeah, so that's right. what choice that we had. Um, are there resources on, you know, what, what resources can you pinpoint us to that if you haven't quite embraced, you know, online, um, that where to start? Um resources, any, anything that comes to mind on, on any of your courses or blogs or webinars that you could think of? Yeah. I mean, we have a, an intro to fundraising optimization course, which is probably a great place to start. And it has, um, intro to fundraising optimization. Okay. To digital fundraising optimization. Yeah. And it kind of walks through like the, 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 you know, philosophy of, of, okay, it's not really a, a donor funnel. It's a donor mountain, right? Like your donors aren't kind of traveling through, you know, by the force of gravity to go give donations. They're actually having to overcome gravity. And so you have to rethink how that entire experience, um, has, is designed and it kind of walks through some of those principles. It gets into like concepts like AB testing and web analytics and how to use those things to drive decision-making and really ultimately increase your performance. So that's a probably great place to start, but, uh, you know, really, dig into the resources. That's why they're there. That's why we produce them. And um, hopefully they can make an impact for you. They have for many. Yeah. I I mean, it's, I I know our entire team relies on them Um, just in, you know, in in our consulting practices here at one cause we all clamor for whatever's on the, you know, next after website. So, you know, it's, it's some pretty good stuff and, and it's pretty affordable too. I think your courses and some of them I happen to know um, are sponsored. um, So you can pick up a course or two at no charge because there might be a friendly sponsor behind it. So uh, one cause has been happy to sponsor some of those uh, we online love our courses. Sponsors. Yeah. yeah. You're helping Always us love. to achieve yeah. our mission of unleashing generosity. So we yeah. appreciate it very much. Well, we all want to uh, build that, help our fundraisers build better tomorrows. So, well, fearless fundraisers, that's about all we have time for today. Thank you for listening in such a fascinating um conversation about mindset of generosity. We hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. 
Tune in for a new episode release every Thursday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That's Thursdays, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. But in the meantime, be sure to listen to all the episodes on Ray's Nation Radio. Follow the channel that you like the most um, so that you can get notifications about all our new guests. Fundraisers are doing amazing things to build better tomorrows for our communities. Stories are awe-inspiring. You won't want to miss a single episode. I'd like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with their donors. Be sure to check them out at onecause.com and visit the resource tab on the homepage for broad catalogs of eBooks that you'll definitely find helpful. A huge shout out to my guest, Tim from Next After for sharing just such great insights and advice. Thank you so much, Tim, for um, joining us today. Any last words of wisdom, inspiration or advice that you have for our audience? I would just say, stay curious. I think curiosity is the most important skill for a fundraiser because it keeps you testing and trying new things to come up with the breakthroughs of tomorrow. So stay, stay curious. curious, my friends. Yeah. All right. Well, we say stay furious, stay, stay fearless. So stay fearless and curious. And and it's nextafter.com, right? As easy that's as correct. that? Yep. That's yeah, that's wonderful. And we'll see you at NEO in Kansas in September, right? That's right. That's right. Fantastic. Well, thank you again so much. Uh, uh, that's a wrap for now. Until next time, I'm Don Lego, and this is Raise Nation Radio. Stay fearless and curious out there. Bye for now. Bye.